Welcome to HSDF the Podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. In this first of a two-part series, learn about the technology challenges on the border, such as the need for hybrid connectivity, enhanced tactical communications, and edge computing. And hear how industry is working with CBP to rapidly deliver advanced technologies and new capabilities to border agents. Featuring Luke McCormick, former DHS CIO, Jan Schmickel from CBP's Office of Information and Technology, Bogdan Fursina, founder of Degero, Mark Olson, Homeland Security Lead at Periton, Eric Reese from the CBP Innovation Team, and Michael Hardy, Red Hat's Chief Architect for Law Enforcement and Justice. This discussion took place at the annual HSDF Border Security Symposium in Washington, D.C. on December 12, 2023. I'm going to start with, uh, let's start with the invent team. I can't resist. Um, I would like you, uh, Eric, to describe first what, what is the invent team? What does the invent team do for a living? We'll start there and then we'll get into how they do it, how they interact with people, et cetera. But let's start with that. Do I get 15 minutes for that conversation? (laughs) And you need to do that in about three minutes, please. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, Well, first and foremost, it is a privilege and honor to be here. Uh, Truly humbling with um, the level of experience and speakers that are present at this event. So I just want to start off with that. But to begin... Um, so I work with the CBP innovation team under the office of the commissioner. Uh, we were founded back in 2018. Uh, our charter and mission really mandate is to identify, uh, adapt and deliver innovative commercial technologies, uh, to the field for the sole purpose of making our personnel more safe and more effective. Um, I think that's really been the theme, right? That you've been hearing throughout today is um, how our frontline personnel and workforce can be uh, more effective um, in a contested, constrained, resource-constrained environment, um, in a harsh environment. Um, And I think we'll get into the connectivity here in a little bit, Um, but also one that, um, you know, just requires an imperative to to innovate. And uh, our team has the ability to interface with industry and in some unique and diverse ways. Um, we have various mechanisms that allow us to, to reach out um, and see, see what's out there. Um, you know, we have problem sets that we, we collect. Uh, we've heard discussions earlier today about requirements and how we form requirements um, and how those can, can help us drive towards, you know, identifying problems. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of unique problems out there. Um, a lot of them are hard to solve. And so we need solutions. We need ability to interface with, with industry. We need industry to interface with each other um, as well and to listen to the operator, to listen to the agents that are on the ground. Um, that is the ground truth. Um, <clears throat> we know that uh, because we're working with emerging technologies, that that risk is, is inherent with that. Uh, we're hundred uh, percent willing to, to move forward in ways that, you know, that, that may be noble failures. We may learn from, from industry and, and how certain capabilities um, end up being successful or not. Uh, but we look at rapid delivery. Uh, we're looking at zero to 18 months. 
to push a technology or push a capability out to the field. Um, our model is iterate and improve. So I think it's important for uh, industry to understand that your technologies and, and capabilities, they're not, they're not perfect. They're not going to be out there um, and it's not going to be the perfect solution right away, right? You need to hear feedback from the operator, from the agents that are using it, uh, letting you know how its, um, its utility is impacting operations and Im- impacting the day-to-day life of, um, of our frontline workforce. Okay, Eric, I appreciate that. Uh, Son, let me go to you. Chief Architect, what does the architect organization do? How does that fit into the picture here? Where do they fall into play in regards to ultimately getting some capability out to the field? Yes. So, um, architecture is very. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. If you just sort of look towards it, and it'll magically appear. All right. That sounds good. So, um, what I do is really trying to make sure that the technology that you know uh, Invent brings in and any anyone that wanted to. Uh, insert new technology into CVP is really aligned with the CVP IT governance model and also aligned with our um, enterprise architecture. So that's the point is is to make sure that we don't, we have a way to maintain and manage this technology that is coming into CVP. So in the the sense, how does it fit together? Um, We have a technical reference model. We also have a technical insertion request model that um, we will vet the technology and we will work with um, the requester to make sure that the technology is fitting their need and also um, it's not going to create vulnerability or security issues within uh, the enterprise. So that that technology uh, is really also helping the mission. It's not just like because I like to use this technology, and then I will insert it into the into into um, CVP. Um, really, uh, the alignment with enterprise architecture is very important, so that we don't end up with um, a lot of technologies that you know only be used one time, but then we have to continuously patch and then, and then make sure that it doesn't create vulnerabilities for CVP or drill a lot of holes in the ground and have a maintenance nightmare. Exactly. Which, uh, Yes. Uh, yeah. So let, let me get industry's perspective here, Mark. I'm going to start with you. We heard the chief earlier. We heard several of the panel members earlier. We're hearing the panel members now. Undoubtedly, you're thinking, wow, I, I've got this technology. It's, it's, it's in the lab. I can deploy this. Um, what's your thoughts here on, on what you're hearing in regards to the, 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 uh, the requirements out there, the gaps in the capabilities and where industry can fit into that and insert themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it, it, clearly the collaboration side of the equation, I mean, working with Eric's organization, understanding the architecture that's in place that you need to work with. I, I think one of the things that, you know, in turn, as you're looking at it, and we talked about it earlier, right, it's, you know, what are the outcomes that are out there, right, that you're actually looking to drive towards to meet the requirements that are in place today. I think, you know, from an industry perspective, I'm always looking at how can I challenge my own organizations to think about those outcomes and then think about from, in, at least in this equation here, with what the existing tool sets are that are in place, how do you maximize, how can you optimize within that structure that's in place with innovation that comes through in that and frankly, where do we put our investments in there, but then how do we connect with CBP to have that conversation to make sure those investments are actually targeting a need and an objective at the end of the day? Um, 
requirements. We've talked about those requirements. We've, we've messaged that, but frankly, is there still an objective that it's still trying to meet as we come out of those? I think for us, it's that collaborative approach across the industry. And as, you know, sitting here with other industry experts and how do we actually bring a partnership community to that dialogue? It's not just a single thread, right? We don't all have the answers, but how do we get the right industry partners together to actually solve gap dynamics that you're talking about and, and, and putting forward? So we try to push through um, that narrative and that dialogue to, to, to try to tackle those objectives. So, Eric, you kind of explained what InVent is. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit more about, um, you know, what is the process that you use to, let's say, for example, address some of the um, very clear requirements that we're hearing from the operators, right? And we talked in our prep about, hey, we want to make sure we're thinking about the operator first, the the officer first, the agent first. How does what you're doing in that rapid prototype address those needs sooner rather than later, presumably? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when we we look at problem identification and problem sets. Uh, so we, uh, we have three. And if I may, maybe yeah. get, if, 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 if it's in the Petri dish, we'll say, uh, get specific about, Hey, what is going on with tack on what is going yeah. on with computing on the edge yeah. inside of invent. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, let's use a, a real scenario, right? I mean, you're looking at the border environment, very harsh, very austere, very remote, uh, limited infrastructure, if any, in some locations, uh, limited LTE uh, com uh, available. And so, um, you know, we all agents out in the field are carrying around. We've seen a couple of folks already today mention their phone. Right. So we have a lot of personnel that um, are carrying around this device to help them with situational awareness. Um, that situational awareness, though, is no, it, they don't have full use of it when we don't have connectivity. And so when we uh, are looking at industry, we're looking at a hybrid, you know, we're looking at a hybrid approach of different type of solutions that can integrate with our existing systems, um, as well as reduce cognitive load, reduce cognitive load on agents. We don't want personnel or CBP uh, workforce carrying around a bunch of different devices. Um, so form factor and all that, that's just a, a use case, right? Applicability. Um, but our process in doing that is working with some strategic partners to let them know these are our problem sets. We have an agreement with them. They actually do tech scouting for us. They reach out. They have a great interface with industry from there we're able to have some very meaningful connections um, and look to see, does this capability really align with our mission? And then we move forward with a project life cycle um, that would include, in simple terms, pre-deployment, deployment, post-deployment. And that really incorporates the iterate and improve cycle that really is driven by the frontline personnel, right? Their feedback, their use of it, um, so hopefully that. So so you probably have at least fifty companies here. They've been listening to a plethora of problems being identified. Um, if they wanted to interact with the tech scouting team, I guess I'll call it that. How do, how do they do that? What's that process? Is that a one way where the the scouts go out and scout, and hopefully they uh, they get discovered? Or can they hey, say, hey, listen, I heard the chief and we, we, we solved this problem in Israel 
and we can solve it here. Right. How does that happen? Yeah. So there's, there's several methods that we use, um, you know, for industry specifically, uh, you know, we may send out a request for proposal um, and we utilize other transaction authorities quite often as well. Um, that are more, what's that, that, that Just is so a, people understand what that yeah, means. It's an ability for us to push the solicitation, which would go out to industry. Uh, that solicitation would detail the focus area that we really want to drive towards, um, and the use case, uh, from there, uh, we can interact with industry. Industry can also interact with each other. Um, it's a non-far based, uh, mechanism that really drives innovation for us, um, and and I think it's really it's a, it's a it's a great opportunity for industry to be able to connect with others, and that op, that offers opportunity for integration, um, both between vendors and, and industry as well as within uh, CBP. Bogdan, have you ever been tech scouted? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're listening to all of this. You had a lot of very thoughtful comments earlier. Thoughts on. How can the invent team be leveraged um, or how is it being leveraged or are there other ways to address some of these challenges? In particular, let's just talk about straight up basic communications, right? Yeah. Uh, it seems to me it's, it's, it was very obvious that in order to get that force multiplier 10x in regards to using AI, you've got to have connectivity to do it in large part. Um, talk to me. Well, first of all, I think it starts with architecture, right? And the way you got to look at it is define an architecture because communication is the fundamental of infrastructure that's required in order for us to be able to deploy any application or any intelligence or human assist to the field. Without comms, we can't do it. The challenge with comms is always, especially in these denied and semi-denied environments, is that there is no vendor, one vendor, that can do it all based on size, power, uh, coverage, uh, bandwidth requirements, et cetera. A lot of restrictions. It's a lot of restrictions. And 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 the other challenge, is, as it was just mentioned from Eric, is like you don't want five devices on a person's backpack in addition to what they got to carry and they got to deal with. You don't want a lot more fun- fun- functionality that they need to worry about. You need the stuff to just work seamless. So I think... The most important thing is define that architecture. How do you create and you know, I mean, we've been involved with DHS for quite a bit now and, and one of the things that we do is comms, right? So it's a bit of a challenge to talk at a high level, but like in, in a in a in a high level perspective is how do you bring the connectivity to the officer in the field in any environment they're in? And leverage the public existing infrastructure, public existing technologies, while also be able to put in private infrastructure as necessary to supplement the holes and the gaps that currently exist. To do that affordably, the Invent team would be able to help out by defining that as a problem set, first of all. And then second of all, not, not just the generic comms. It's more like, hey, this is sort of an architecture we're looking at deploying and but more importantly, also working with the internal enterprise team to make sure that that all fits and in, in, in is able to be deployed. Because the practicality is not the same thing as the theory. And there's a lot of companies out there that have, like, especially like I've learned this, uh, we started out with an idea and a process and, and a thought that we had in the public domain. And we showed up in the DHS world and it's totally different. Mm-hmm. And there's a process to learn that. Not everybody is, like, you got to adapt to this. So I think it's an important process where the inventory could help 
with industry to help them through that approval process, security infrastructure requirements, um, you know, minimizing attack vectors. Because the moment you're putting connectivity into the field, you've got to have security. So it, it adds a lot more areas that you didn't have before. Sir Saron, uh, you talked about the technical reference model, and he just brought up several different items that really need to be considered. I, I'm sure that you, your team works very close with the Invent team when they're working on these rapid prototypes, but I'm just thinking about the industry here, the community. How, is it your organization that accounts for making sure that uh, as, as something is moving its way, some technology is moving its way towards a technical reference model, that all those things that are being described here are being accounted for? Is that how that process works? Yes, pretty much. You know, um, we have a process for technical insertions, and, and, and from the insertion, it goes all the way into our technical reference model. But um, in reviewing every single thing, we have to be very careful about what we're inserting into the technical reference model. And we really um, have to um, run that technology with different uh, evaluation criteria, particularly on the security side, right? So, um, and then we look at the industry to help us understand, is this technology, um, for example, on the dark web, or is it part of, you know, some foreign countries' um, exploitation list and things like that. So we, we really hope that, you know, putting a technology uh, for the CVP use, for the agents use, but we also want to make sure that the technology is also safe and not causing any um, vulnerability issues when the, the, the agent or the, the, the field officers are using the technology. So, so security for... For me, in the evaluation, is a is a very important criteria. So all of those things are being accounted for as it makes its way into yes. technology assertion. Yes, uh, Mike, I know that Red Hat is doing an incredible amount of stuff as far as edge computing, etc. No question that they're doing it in very, uh, you know, uh, primitive areas. Uh, perhaps they're doing it up in uh, uh, on the ISS. Who knows where they're doing it? Um, tell us a little bit about what you're hearing and potentially the solutions that may or may not be out there to run edge computing in a primitive environment. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to repeat myself from a little bit from my, my comments earlier, but the, the capabilities exist, right? And the need for edge computing has been driven by demand, right? So we've moved from the data centers to the cloud, and now we're all the way out to the mission edge. And the mission requires enterprise capabilities, right? And one of the things that came up today in a conversation out back is every portion of the edge, or the border rather, whether you're thinking about Mexico, whether you're thinking about Alaska, like I hadn't even considered Alaska today. And then Canada is, this isn't a one-size-fits-all solution, right? And that's where open source community, open standards comes into play because we have to develop a malleable solution to this problem, right? We need platforms that we can then build capabilities on top of where all the development happens out in the open, okay? So our entire portfolio has been refactored to meet the mission, whether it's our container platform, whether it's Red Hat Enterprise Linux, which is running on the space station, um, and also Microchip Kubernetes, which is going to be available on the edge to be able to run on small form factor compute. So all the capability is here, but now we as industry need to, need to come together, vendors and SIs, to help our customer develop an open standard solution 
to serve the mission, to deliver the capability that the mission requires. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF the podcast on any major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. Thank you.